Greetings and salutations and welcome to the June edition of Full Time, brought to you by the game on News Talk 1400 every Monday night from 6 to 8 o'clock. The game entertainment and media and sponsored by Northern Superior Brewery in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. I am one of your hosts, Scott Nason, as we are joined as always by our other host, Daniel Scarpino, joining us for this late June edition of Full Time, covering the wonderful world of soccer. Daniel, how are you doing? It's been about a month since we've chatted on this show. How are things for you, sir? Oh, everything's going great, Scott. Uh, For the summer as best that we possibly can. Life's been busy, but certainly in a good way, so everything's good on my end. How are you? Things are great here as well, Daniel, and uh, boy, uh, transfer window in soccer. That is where we are going to start, and uh, we wouldn't have uh, time to cover half of all the transfers so far, but before we get to some of the ones that have already happened, Daniel, that have been of notice to you and others that potentially could once the other windows are opened up, there may be some casual soccer fans or just sports fans in general listening to the show Saying, well, what is a transfer window? What is transfer in soccer? So I just want to kind of give a, a definition and have you explain more to our listeners, Daniel, just kind of how this transfer market works. And in professional football, a transfer is the action taken for a player under contract to move between clubs. The term transfer directly refers to transferring of a player's registration from one association football club to another. In general, the players can only change teams during a transfer window according to the rules set by a governing body. Now, for the Premier League, the one that we cover, that window is usually 12 weeks. The window has opened up. They also open up another window mid-season for around four weeks, and uh, pretty much this is the way that players move from club to club. Daniel, that's just kind of a generic definition of what a transfer is in soccer for our U.S. sports fans that you know are used to the NFL, uh, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. There are some similarities, but it's very different in Europe. Can you kind of explain maybe in a couple minutes to the casual fan uh, transfer market, how does it work? Well, basically, I think you, you summarize it really well there, Scott, but it definitely is different uh, in a, as opposed to, let's say, or in comparison to a traditional North American sport. So it's, again, it's a team that's selling a player to another team essentially for a transfer fee. So when everyone sees, oh, the transfer fee for such and such player was X amount of money, well, the transfer fee is what that player was sold to that team for. Now, that fee that is paid for that player primarily goes to the club to that player uh, that that player transfers to. So for example, let's use Chelsea and I don't know, Nottingham Forest. So if for example, Chelsea sell a player to Nottingham Forest, well, player that's being sold to the club that gains the player is going to pick up that transfer fee and that club's going to get the money opposite to, you know, who sold the player. And then a portion of that fee is going to go to his, the player and his agent. So, for example, again, if Chelsea sold a player to Nottingham Forest, well, Nottingham Forest have to pick up that fee, and then a portion of that's going to go to the player and the agent. And the transfer window in and of itself, it's a period of time during the year. So you have have your summer transfer window, you have a January transfer window, and that's when clubs can transfer players in and out of their team as they good and well please. Now, players can be signed outside of those transfer windows on an emergency basis or if a situation where a specific uh, stipulation or condition exists, but 
typically all business that happens occurs in the summer and in the January transfer windows where players can be bought and sold. And then obviously with, uh, with loan deals, which we see a lot of times in soccer, which is very different to um, traditional North American sport. It's when a player is allowed to basically join a team temporarily uh, that that player is not under contract to. So that team was getting the player doesn't have to pay any money to the other team, but they do need to pick up that player's wages and his salary. And there's usually little stipulations and loan deals which are sorted out between the clubs. So when that player has to return, an option to buy, things like this. So again, we use the example of Chelsea to Nottingham Forest. Chelsea can loan a player to Nottingham Forest, but that player is probably going to eventually go back to Chelsea. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how the how transfers work, Scott, the transfer window, and a little bit on loan deals as well. Well, one of those loan deals, Daniel, in the news today, uh, Roman Lukaku from Chelsea, who was on loan to Inter, uh, going back, I believe, to Inter. So it's good you explain that. And, yeah, you know, lots of moves already. The the full window for many of the other leagues opens up on July 1st. So, Daniel, just some of the uh, notable transfers or possible rumors of transfers uh, in uh, European football that you've seen over the past few weeks. Over the past few weeks, it's been busy, Scott, and it's been really cool to see that so much money has already been splashed in the transfer market, and there's going to be more to come. But Darwin Nunez to, to Liverpool, huge move to replace Sadio Mane, who went to um, the Bayern Munich. Erling Holland going to Manchester City, as did Calvin Phillips, so they're going to be bolstered. Manchester City are with the amazing squad that they already had. Uh, Fabio Vieira to Arsenal, big move. We already mentioned uh, Sadio Mane to Bayern Munich. I think he's going to score lots of goals there. Yep. He's Basuma to uh, to Tottenham. That's a big move for them. I think it just bolsters their their midfield from a defensive point of view. Philip Coutinho transferred to Aston Villa now full time. Uh, Matt Turner to Arsenal as well. Fabio Carvalho to Liverpool. Uh, Antonio Rudiger, huge move to uh, to Real Madrid. And uh, Bale even making a move to the MLS, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. So those have been the big ones for me. There's been many more, but we can expect that there's going to be more to come, Scott. Yeah, you hit on a lot of the moves that I was going to as well. Of course, uh, many more to go. Uh, Chelsea, uh, obviously a team I follow very well. Uh, you know, Thiago Silva is looking at possibly uh, Neymar uh, coming uh, from PSG. Uh, lots of unhappiness there with fans, and it might be time for or, uh, you know, a, a move, and certainly, you know, Chelsea, uh, they've lost a lot. You mentioned Rudiger, uh, Lukaku, they lost Peter Cech, who was uh, very big in that organization, uh, no longer a keeper, but uh, the new ownership group uh, from the L.A. Dodgers. It's certainly going to be a very different Chelsea squad, and uh, it's going to be a very different year, Daniel, as we'll talk more about the transfer market coming up in late July for our next edition of Full Time. Well, we're only a month away, if you can believe this, as we record the show on June 29th. We are only a month away from the start of the 2022-23 European soccer seasons. Now, of course, with the World Cup being moved to November and December, looking across the top five leagues, Daniel, uh, this is when competition will start. The FA Community Shield between Manchester City, uh, champions from the Premier League and FA Cup winners Liverpool, will be on Saturday, July 30th at Wembley. The Premier League will start August 6th through 8th, as will... Uh, League One in France. The UEFA Super Cup will be on August 10th as well. You'll have uh, La Liga, Bundesliga, and Serie A all begin uh, between August 12th and 14th. The 
Champions League stage draw will be on August 25th. The transfer window, which we were just talking about, will close on August 31st. And Champions League group stage competition will begin September 6th. So, uh, Daniel, certainly uh, this is a very different uh, domestic league uh, for the five that were mentioned because they've never had to shut the season down, basically, for a month uh, to have the World Cup in Qatar, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but, you know, things are starting earlier. You're already going to have some exhibitions going on uh, stateside and in Canada over the next few weeks. And we're only a month away from the season beginning. It, it seems like it just ended, and here it comes again. I know there's really no off season when it comes to soccer, and we've alluded to that on so many different occasions on this show, which is a really brilliant thing for those who who enjoy watching the sport. But it's going to be busy. It's going to be different, obviously, with the World Cup break, but everyone's going to be in the exact same position. I think what it ultimately does, though, is I think it does give teams that are a little bit lower down the table or mid-table a better chance because realistically, if we take a look at a team that's a little bit more down the table, maybe let's say, for example, uh, a Brentford, they're probably not going to have too, too many internationals going off. So it gives the coaches to stick around with, uh, uh, with extra time with their players um, to work with them. So that way, once the regulars come back into the team after the World Cup, uh, I think it gives them a real fighting chance going into the next portion of the season. So I think with all of the leagues, what we will see this year is maybe a little bit more competition uh, through the top half of the table as opposed to maybe just the top four. And I think it bodes really well for everybody who's uh, – who's interested in soccer and people who maybe aren't interested so much in soccer because we're going to have a World Cup at at a period of time that's busy for most, but uh, oftentimes where people are actually able to sit down and, funny enough, watch watch sports with their family. So I think that this is great, and I'm really looking forward to to what's ahead come come really in a month's time, not even. Yeah, in our next edition of Full Time, we'll look more at the five leagues and give our thoughts and predictions as far as how the season will go. Uh, Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you for this June edition of Full Time. And Daniel, the World Cup field is set. The 32-team field is set for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Wales earned the last UEFA spot as they knocked out Ukraine to join Group B with the United States, England, and Iran. Australia, they earned a spot in a playoff as they defeated the United Arab Emirates. So they joined France, Denmark, and Tunisia in Group D. And Costa Rica, they are in the final slot as they knocked out New Zealand and joined a very tough Group E with Spain, Germany, and Japan. The World Cup will begin on Monday, November 21st, as Senegal will take on the Netherlands. The U.S. will play their first match also on the 21st of November against Wales at 2 p.m. And Canada will play their first World Cup match since 1986 on Wednesday, November 23rd, against Belgium at 2 p.m. So in our last edition, Daniel, we didn't have the three teams in. Uh, Obviously, Ukraine, a nice underdog story, but a little too much Gareth Bale in that game as Wales goes through. And then really, I don't think too much of a surprise, Australia, a pretty favorite in their match, and and Costa Rica against uh, an undermanned uh, New Zealand team. Really no surprises there. Your thoughts? Yeah, no surprises whatsoever, Scott. And we we spoke about it on our previous show that we probably thought that Wales, Australia, and Costa Rica were going to be the three teams that filled those final spots there at the World Cup. But it certainly does set up a really good field. You take a look at all of the groups here at the World Cup, and we've been analyzing it now for a little while, even though we didn't know all of the teams necessarily that would be in there definitively. But it certainly makes for a good uh, a good field. All the groups are 
for the most part, really competitive. And you got some really, really tough groups um, that will, I'm sure, entertain anybody who watches those games. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the World Cup. And I think it's going to I think it's going to provide an opportunity for people to see things on the world stage that uh, maybe we haven't seen necessarily since 2018. I know the Euros just happened last summer, but I think uh, I think this is going to be a really good World Cup, Scott. I agree, Daniel, and certainly we'll talk more about that as we get closer to the match days, which start in late November. A couple other World Cup notes, Daniel. Uh, FIFA announced that the 16 North American cities that will host matches for the 2026 World Cup, 11 venues will be in the U.S., three in Mexico, and two in Canada. All three of those teams will be in the next World Cup in 2026, which will expand to 48 teams. The stadium selected in the United States, uh, New York, New Jersey's MetLife Stadium, Los Angeles SoFi Stadium, Dallas AT&T Stadium, San Francisco Bay Area's Levi Stadium, uh, Miami's Hard Rock Stadium, Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Seattle's Lumen Field, Houston's NRG Stadium, Philadelphia's Lincoln Financial Field, Kansas City's Arrowhead Stadium, and Boston's Gillette Stadium. In Mexico, uh, Guadalajara, Monterrey, and of course, Estadio Azteca in Mexico City will host. And in Canada, BMO Field in Toronto and BC Place in Vancouver. Uh, Daniel, uh, interesting note, none of the stadiums that were part of the 94 World Cup, including where the final was played, the Rose Bowl, will be included as uh, stadiums now uh, are much larger and uh, certainly... uh, Far away, at least from our area, it looks like Toronto's the closest one that we'll be able to get to if you want to catch World Cup action in four years, sir. Yeah, I agree with that. But obviously, this is well calculated. This is well thought out. You'd like to think that FIFA really spent some time with this in terms of the selection and in terms of the applications that were put forward for who is going to host and why these things, were, all, all these games are going to be hosted there. But yeah, Toronto definitely is the closest. I think it's going to be fantastic, obviously, from a Canadian perspective. But uh, as much as we are looking forward to that World Cup, and there is a lot to look forward to for sure, we definitely can't look past the opportunity that Canada and the United States have here coming up uh, in November. But certainly, uh, I think that a lot of what's being presented for the the 2026 World Cup in terms of venues, I think it's really good. And I think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be really innovative and really exciting, Scott. It's going to be a lot of fun, Daniel, and uh, other international competition that's gone on over the past month or so. uh, Matches will resume uh, in, I believe, September, uh, the last international break before the World Cup. The Nations League, a newer competition uh, with soccer as uh, these leagues, including in Europe and in North America with CONCACAF, they were designed to give more teams uh, opportunities to play uh, friendlies, if you will, and in this case, have an actual competition. Uh, Nations League matches were played across CONCACAF and Europe in June. Canada topped uh, always tough Curacao and fell to Honduras as they sit one and one in League A and Group C. The U.S. wins and draws. Uh, they they are second place behind El Salvador. And in Europe, I mean, we, we'd be here all day if we went through all the groups, but a group with Hungary, England, Germany, and Italy. Who's on top of that group? Hungary, as they absolutely yep. humiliated England, giving them one of their worst losses at home in 
almost a hundred years. And, and Daniel, you and I have talked about the Nations League. I, I like the idea that FIFA is doing. You know, a lot of these countries have trouble scheduling uh, friendlies, if you will. And, and this is a way to, you know, have a more meaningful uh, competition. We saw the U.S. win uh, the Nations League over Mexico, and it was a big deal. Have, are you still kind of against this whole Nations League, or are you like me? Are you starting to see maybe it's not the worst idea? Well, it's, it's it's not the worst idea, Scott. I will say that. And I think the one thing I can certainly give the Nations League is that from an equity point of view and from a, a point of uh, of an equitable stance, if you will, that it does allow countries, as you said, to have more opportunities to play in these games that they wouldn't otherwise get the opportunity to play in. So you get a smaller nation that is going to get the same amount of games, for example, or close there too, to another team who can get these games that almost will. But the idea, yeah. again, that all of these teams are playing so many games, I don't put a ton of stock into it, if I'm being perfectly honest. Like, if, even if we take a look at League A Group 1, for example, well, France is in last place, and France is predicted to win the World Cup coming right. up. So <laughs> it, right. I, I don't put a ton of stock into it. I am coming around a little bit to the idea that, yes, it is equitable, and it gives countries different chances to play in games, but I still haven't been turned over yet, Scott. I haven't either. It's obviously nowhere in any vicinity of the World Cup or even the Euros or even the Gold Cup, I think, uh, yeah. here in CONCACAF. That's much more exciting. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you for this June edition of Full Time covering the world of soccer. And Daniel, a couple more topics before we finish up. Major League Soccer, they're in the meat and potatoes of the schedule uh, in the East uh, and New York City atop the table with 27 points, followed closely by Red Bulls. Philadelphia also close by on top of the East along with Orlando City. Uh, our teams, Toronto and Columbus, uh, still languishing in 11th and 12th place, Daniel, and out West LAFC, uh, we mentioned uh, the big signing of Gareth Bale. Still trying to put my head around that one. Their best yep. team in the West, uh, 30 points. Real Salt Lake in second with 28. Austin in third with 27. Daniel still haven't watched a ton of Major League Soccer. Have you, and uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the Bale signing and just how the season's going? Well, to, to answer your first question, have I watched a ton of it? No, I definitely haven't watched uh, a ton of it. Bits and pieces for sure, and I try and catch as many TFC games as I possibly can. Obviously, as you mentioned earlier, a little bit of a struggle uh, so far in the season, but I think with the arrival of Insignia and a couple other signings that they've made, I think it's certainly going to improve as the summer goes along. And then uh, in terms of uh, Bale going to LAFC, I'm not surprised by the move. I kind of, if I'm being honest, I probably would have thought that he would have done it maybe a year or two ago. Obviously, yeah. with COVID, maybe that changed his mind a little bit, but he was still playing high at a, at a high-quality level, of course, and then the Champions League, all of these wonderful things. But I think it just bolsters LAFC's chances to a degree mm -hmm. that only maybe, and I say maybe, you know, loosely that Philadelphia or New York from the other side can, can possibly challenge them. But I think with that signing and based on what they've done so far this season, I think you'd probably have to say that LAFC is definitely the, uh, the, the favorite amongst the MLS pool, Scott. Yeah, I would say certainly, uh, they, uh, are head and shoulders above the rest and that signing by Gareth Bale certainly helps them out even more. Uh, finally, Daniel, to end our show, local soccer update on stateside. Uh, lots of youth soccer going on uh, pretty much every night at the athletic fields uh, behind the high school and certainly uh, 
the kids are out there and everybody's uh, hoping for better weather. We've kind of been hit or miss on a lot of weather this year, a lot of rain and uh, some cooler temperatures, but hopefully July will bring much warmer temperatures and uh, the ability to get in all the matches. Uh, I know you're officiating a game coming up soon, Daniel. Uh, what's going on on your side of the border? Well, a lot of the same, Scott, including the weather. I agree with that 100%. But, uh, yeah, things have been busy from a soccer perspective. All of our youth leagues are up and running, which is fantastic. And uh, our men's and women's divisions are busy as ever. And we've got uh, many leagues going on, which is really great. So things are busy here. Uh, One quick thing that I would like to say is that uh, through Northern Heights Soccer Club, we are offering training sessions in two different training camps upcoming. So it'll be all the Algoma University soccer coaches. So myself, Neil Ovi, Sam Medali, and a few others will be taking the lead on those sessions. So any youth that are interested from uh, ages 10 to 18 uh, will be running sessions in little mini training camps from July 11th to 15th and July 25th to 29th. Those sessions will be offered at uh, Strathclair Sports Complex from 9 a.m. to noon on, uh, on those days, again, July 11th to 15th. And July 25th to 29th, you can check out nhsc.ca for all the additional information, prices, etc. And uh, uh, all kids that enroll with us um, in those two training camps will be uh, able to develop their technical and tactical skills. So soccer has been uh, busy, Scott, but busy in a good way because we're just happy to have it. That sounds like a great opportunity for the youth uh, soccer stars, future stars, or maybe people that just like playing soccer. Sounds like a couple great camps you're offering there, Daniel, and I certainly appreciate you sharing it with our listeners. And that's going to about do it here for this June edition of Full Time, brought to you by The Game on News Talk 1400, Monday nights from 6 to 8 o'clock, as well as the game entertainment and media and sponsored by Northern Superior Brewery in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. We will be doing our next edition of full time, probably towards the end of July, a little before my family vacation to San Francisco. I'm going to check out that with my family. Thank you very much. And uh, Daniel, certainly uh, always a pleasure to talk about the beautiful game with you. Thanks for joining us. Happy Canada Day this weekend. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again in late July for our next edition of Full Time, sir. Yeah, definitely. A pleasure to talk with you again, Scott, and thanks to all who listen. Uh, obviously, being in the very short off-season that soccer has, it's a little bit of a shorter show, but as uh, everybody knows, everything's going to be ramping up here in about a month's time. So happy 4th of July to you coming up, sir, and uh, we'll definitely reconvene and talk again in about a month's time. So thanks to everybody who listened, and uh, yeah, we can't, we can't say how much we appreciate your support. We do indeed. That's going to do it for this June edition of Full Time. For Daniel Scarpino, my name is Scott Nason. We'll talk to you in July for our next edition of Full Time here on The Game Entertainment and Media.